This is a podcast about time. The time it takes to become an artisan. Heritage. Saving to buy something you'll keep forever. Sustainability. Memories attached to clothing that you've loved and lived in. And the longevity of friendship. To us, the true definition of luxury. I'm Lynn Coleman. Join me and my friend and colleague, Jill Brown, as we chat about the components about what makes Scottish cashmere so special, why it's loved by people all around the globe, and why every design house has a Scottish mill in their little black book. A capsule collection. Any person worth their salt has a capsule collection ready for every eventuality. These are the go-to items that remain in your wardrobe for decades. You'll be all too familiar with them. It's the coat, suit, t-shirt, cardigan, jumper, black boots, the list goes on. In essence, it's the staple that everything else orbits around. These are investment-worthy pieces and stick around a lot longer than the transient trend purchases. By winding the style clock back to the beginning of the 20th century, we see shopping habits that supported a capsule wardrobe right up until around about the 1980s. A shift in consumerism and consumption towards fast fashion meant that investment buying became a thing of the past, as the want for cheaper and newer brainwashed shoppers. This shift in attitude is a false economy and it has led us to spend more money while creating a recycling crisis. Annually, we are binning around 1.4 million tonnes of clothing and textiles worth an estimated £25 million in the UK alone. Now that stat was in 2016. When you invest in something, it means that you're committed to it. Quality is key, and these investment choices, going to the highest level of your budget that you're financially comfortable with, means that there's longevity in your choice. Commit to good materials, great craftsmanship, and classic items that won't age over the passing decades. Follow these key guidelines, and the quest for unique, chic dressing will only be a few staple buys away. That's why when I was doing the cashmere capsule collection, it was a no-brainer to use that wool. It was six rotatable jumpers that would be with you for the rest of your life, should you choose to invest in them and take care in that investment. And they were designed in the following. The houndstooth, the argyle, the hoodie, the cashmere t-shirt, the cable knit, and the wrap. So I guess before we go into the specifics of a sort of jumper capsule... Well, in the design of that, yeah. It'd be really interesting to sort of talk about, I think, a capsule wardrobe, because it comes in and out of our discussions, our conversations, and it feels like it might be here to stay now. We've become really aware of fast fashion. Yeah, it's a buzzword, isn't it, that gets thrown around, and I suppose some people might completely embrace it and understand it and then other people might just hear the word and be like yeah yeah you know a capsule collection but essentially it's really simple it's the things that you wear constantly right so you should invest in those from coats to a suit to the dress that you you know that you wear all the time that you can stick a pull neck underneath or tights on with the winter um, it, it, it's that stuff um, and it's not complicated you know it's it's the the real skeletons of your wardrobe that's that's how you should think about it do i need a coat in the winter yep do i need a dress in the summer yep do i need a suit to go to work yep do i need a shirt 
you know, it's it's that. It's kind of ticking the boxes of what you wear. And capsules, by the way, are different for every individual. Yeah, I suppose if what you do for a living is you and you wear a uniform, then it's going to be very different for sort of what we do for a living. And oh, my mum's always desperate. She always picks up these beautiful dresses. She's like, oh, that'd be so nice for work. And I say, oh, God, if I wore that to work, people would think I had a job interview. That I was, you know, that's, I live in jeans. I live in yeah. jeans and trainers. Um, and that is my capsule is and exactly that's exactly what you would gravitate towards so you know getting a pair of jeans that will be with you for x amount of time knowing your body shape in fact you and i were talking about this the other day you were like i want boot cut jeans to come back i was saying to you your body type suits that you should just be wearing them don't wait for a trend to make that happen for you understand how your body looks in clothing and what are the best cuts for that and then go with that yeah, because I look ridiculous in other things. So there's 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 things that you should just pick out and you should wear that are sort of... I suppose that's the thing about a capsule is it's it's beyond fashion, yes. isn't it? It's just what you can wear and what you look good in. And, you know, I, I think about... I've got this pair of um, beautiful rag and bone boots that I did not pay full price for. I'm just going to say that now. It's okay to spend full price. People need to eat, okay? That's true. But I got them listed as... They were, should have been ridiculously expensive. And so this is their second winter. And I had them on the other day. Mum and I, I went out for a cup of tea and she was like, oh, the boots are out. Mm. I was like, the boots are out. And the leaves are falling off the trees and out they come. Out comes, out comes the wool coat, out comes the warm boots. And that's, I think, interesting, isn't it? Not that I, I wouldn't say I have two wardrobes. I don't have a summer. In it, but, but I definitely, you know, for a while the jumper shelf hasn't been touched yeah. you know it's just sat there but now now the jumpers it's time for the jumpers to come out and so definitely a winter coat definitely a, a suit if that suits your your work role yeah. um or you just like them i i don't need to wear suits for what i do for a living or you know what i do anyway but i really like to have a suit i love wearing them i love wearing them with hoodies i love wearing them with trainers and um, so that's definitely my capsule aesthetic even though I wouldn't need to go to the office in a suit. Mm. And the, and it's interesting because you do see a lot more people in suits at the moment. Mm. They have come back. Um, that sort of nice matching pastel suit was quite big in the summer. Um, and it is a nice thing because, you know, in the summer in Scotland when it's not actually particularly warm, a suit jacket over a t-shirt or yeah. a nice thin shirt. Yeah. And with your jeans. Awesome. Suit jacket over a, a summer dress awesome so it's 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 about utilizing what is already in your wardrobe and by the way i'm not advocating that right now you look at your wardrobe and go ah, i need to buy a capsule wardrobe you already have that capsule wardrobe you just need to look at those items and see how they communicate with each other you know like i've just said if there's a summer dress in there could you wear it with x y and z yes you could and then you can also integrate newer things into that so if you did want to buy I don't know a, a lightweight merino scarf to take you through spring into summer then that can freshen up a dress that you'd invested in or, or or whatever there are ways and means around all of that sort of stuff but having the staples that are already there just making them work for you first of all tell me why a jumper capsule why did you decide to do that well when I started doing the research for this it was obviously about the mills and we have spent the last sort of 10 weeks discussing those incredible makers. What became really, really clear to me is that the, you know, they make a, they're making an abundance of, of product from accessories and homes all the way to coats and suiting and blah, 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 blah. 
But I thought, in my infinite wisdom, that if I was giving someone an entry point into to investing in something, what would that be? And that, for me, was a jumper. Because it's not that frightening a price tag from the varying points of where you could go, you know, from a cashmere t-shirt all the way up to, you know, a, a full robe, right? Is not the price of a cashmere coat or or, or even, you know, a, a, a wool coat. You know, you get, there's varying price points. So I thought about it. All right, okay, let's look at what a jumper capsule would look like. And also what really tickled my fancy at that time was not being bogged down by men and women's wear. I wanted an item that could go on the backs of a man or a woman regardless. And so that was really important for me too because for me, the the jumpers were completely unisex. Even the houndstooth one, which we'll talk about, which was you know designed a little bit more femininely, um, just looked great on men, like just looked absolutely wonderful on men. Um, so yeah, that's I, I thought right. Okay, if I can dive into the design aesthetics and put those design aesthetics onto one piece, what would that be? And that was the jumpers. But that's where the the, the six products came out of from a design point of view. Um, and not that I'm a designer. That's just to clarify. This was me coming at it from a fashion writer and stylist point of view. That if I was consulting for you. How would I get you the best bang for your buck? And that would be me saying, by the way, the Argyle comes in every year, the Houndstooth comes in every year, you'll have a t-shirt forever and ever, the cable knit is omnipresent. So it was trying to work out why they came around every single year and then digging backwards into time and seeing the longevity of, of how long they'd been around for. And I deliberately picked things that had a minimum of 100 years worth of design heritage behind them. Great. That seems like the perfect jumping off point to, to tell me about the, the first, first one. one. The first one is, um, I'm going to say this for everyone now, I'm, I've just realised this, it's my personal favourite, oh, my bloody personal favourite. It's like having six children, you can't favouritise them. And at any given time, you're like, oh, that one's the best. So this one is the houndstooth. It goes by many different names. There's dog tooth, dog's tooth, houndstooth, houndstooth check, puppy tooth for the smaller scale pattern, which is too cute, and my personal favourite, the shepherd's plate. Classically, it's a dual tone textile characterised by broken or abstract checks with four pointed corners. Mainly monochrome in colour, houndstooth has made its mark in black and white. However, any colour can be used. Its roots can be traced in Scottish lowlands where it was woven into woolen cloth. Its fan base is broad and wide, from Sir Walter Scott to Charles Dickens to Christian Dior and Alexander McQueen. The capsule credentials on this are pretty cool. This print is pretty much omnipresent all year round, working well both in winter and in spring wardrobes. It's clean, chic textiles with chameleon-like qualities, working in a multitude of style genres, from punk to preppy. What's so great about this print is that for almost a century, true fashion diehards have been using it and wearing it. I am convinced Houndstooth was the real reason for the old alliance coming about. You only have to look at the French fashion houses to see the treaty is alive and well. Am I right? Chanel? Dior? Ed Vuitton? Ah oui! 
So there's a dog tooth and a dog's tooth, just so, so we're clear on that. Yeah, so over the years, this design has, I suppose, been hijacked by the English language. So it gets, you know, different variations of, of how you would describe it as an adjective. Um, but my personal favourite is the puppy tooth. And that's when you see that teeny weeny weeny check. Remember when you sent me a couple of weeks back that suit? Oh yes, that beautiful, beautiful all Saints suit. There you go. That was puppy tooth, by the way. So it's much smaller, mm-hmm. whereas your, your hound's tooth is quite big. My hound's tooth is a blown up hound's tooth. Ah. There you go. So, so basically, the, the message I'm going to give you all, which you probably all realised, is being friends with Lynn will ruin your life. And that is because... Jump on in the water's nice. <laughs> because you then start looking at the labels of things and what they're made of. Yes. And I know a number of people have already said that to me and we've received lovely feedback on the podcast being like, I would never have thought to look at a label on an item and think what it was made of before I listened to your podcast. So that's lovely feedback. But it also means that when you fall in love with a beautiful suit and then you realise that it's not made of wool and it's very, very expensive, you can't possibly justify buying it. <laughs> Sorry for ruining everybody's life. And I will not I will not say you should have been doing that for decades, people checking where the materials are, yeah, yeah, how the materials are made. And by the way, that's not to say that some acrylics and polyester mixes and all that kind of stuff, they're, they're not bad, they're absolutely not. It's just that we have to think in a much rounder way of, of sustainability, you know? And, you know, I think about the amount of acrylic that is in clothing and then you wash it and those microplastics go into the water system you know it's 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 all of that it's it's thinking about all of it and yeah natural fibers obviously for me it's a personal choice but it's it's just it's just the whole impact is kinder for me in a sustainability sense and then that comes back to houndstooths you know but it's also about price point isn't it and absolutely when you're paying a certain price for something you expect it to be, or you assume, maybe this is a lesson about assumption, I ass- my maiden assumption, that suit that you bought in two separate parts, yeah. which would have cost you well over £500, I just assumed there would at least be a little bit of wool in there. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to check. And again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you've just got to think, how will that age? How will it breathe? How will it make you feel? How do I wash it? How do I wash it? And Will it keep its shape if I wash it? Yeah, all of that. And is that, I suppose it's not cost per wear, but is that a good, if I have got £500 to spend, should that be what, or would I be better waiting and seeing if I can get something that's made from a natural fibre, mm-hmm. or at least had a natural fibre mix in it mm-hmm. for that price point? Well, the good thing about you asking that question is that this process is making you think already. And that's what I'd really hoped to achieve with the whole process of the book and the podcast, that, you know, if you are going to be investing, then, yeah, you should be asking those questions, I think. Right? Yeah, I think so. And I think that that's the important thing. And I think what we've been learning about just in some exciting things we're going to have coming up. We've been having a lot of conversations with, with brands and what we've discovered is because of lockdown, people are buying less and buying more expensive, aren't they? Yeah. And whether that be from hotel stays through to, to clothes, I think part of it is, you'll know more than me, but my assumption is 
the sort of fast fashion is dying back because people aren't going out. You know, you're not looking for a party dress for a Saturday night that nobody's seen before, or mm-hmm. because sadly, there is. We there were is saying no Saturday night. We were saying it today, weren't we? We were saying, you know, are, are nightclubs finished? You know, is that? I was saying to Lynn, what I actually miss the most is the thing that I hate the most normally is, is stand in a taxi queue in shoes that hurt my feet with a bag of chips, <laughs> with sort of sweat drying in my lower back because I've been dancing That's far too much. That's luxury, chill. That's because luxury. I can't think of the last time I got to do it. No. The last time I got to do it. But I think because we're not doing that, that desperate, I've got nothing to wear tomorrow night, I'll buy it and I'll pay for next day delivery, yeah. isn't happening. So people have got, oh, I've got a bit more money, so I might... I'm thinking. I'm thinking about my purchases. They're considered... And yeah, and, and and it's the 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 whole chain of it. You're absolutely right. It's not just that Saturday night. It's every Saturday night. Yeah, I, I wonder if if that's that's not that. I hope to goodness that we get to go back to dancing because even though I did it once or twice a year, I still really really miss it. But I wonder if if that's what will come out of lockdown from is we'll think and we'll buy more considerable yeah. and and then what I hope people get from this is then they'll then look at what it's made from and by no means, by no means am I saying everything has to be cashmere, absolutely not. I have and actually that's not what this is about at all. We keep coming back to this, it's about time for us and it's about how long it's taken for something to be made and, and how long you're going to keep it for and that's that's what the luxury is about. And even, even going back into the design credentials of a houndstooth, I picked that print very specifically because it comes out every single year and you see it in a, you know, one of its many guises. So I'm really excited to hear about this next one because uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it enough, but I, I am a, a graduate of St Andrews, so there's a little special place for golf in my heart. So that? yes, I'm really looking forward to hearing about this. Yes, so the next um, capsule credential was for the Argyle. Here we go. Its origins. I'm a child of the 80s, when Argyle Knits adorned every golfing legend and Sunday afternoon swinger down the country club. I'm referring to the golf course, of course. This was my first introduction to the pattern that had been adopted by so many worldwide. To be frank, the 1980s gave an absolute kicking to the Argyle's fashion credentials, but the passage of time has smoothed those sporting edges. In reality, Argyle has always belonged to the classic set dresser. You don't get over 200 years of longevity as a pattern without style being on your side. You only have to look at the chicest dressers from the 40s and 50s to see why this print is so ubiquitous. Being adorned by so many sections of society can only be a good thing and I urge every wearer to do this look as they see fit. It's fashion after all, so have fun with it. It's capsule credentials. Pop culture is littered with Argyle gems. James Dean donning it in a black and beige concoction in East of Eden. Claudia Schiffer doing her off-model duty chic in oversized Argyle sweaters. My personal favourite. Cher Horowitz wearing her grey and white diamond motif skirt to fail her driving test in Clueless. Even Paul Newman rocked it circa all of the 1960s. The modern day shift into menswear has really put Argyle back in the map, 
Both Dior and Balmain feature it constantly in collections. There's a lovely duality and gender neutrality about Argyle that gives it durability. In short, Argyle will be in your wardrobe forever. All my favourite things rolled in together. Paul Newman and a little bit of Clueless. Oh, share. I know. But, you know, you think about it, and, and, I mean, we were just talking a few minutes ago about that revival of the sort of pastel suit that we saw in spring-summer this year, which is just so close. Close is 25 years old. 25 years old, which makes me feel very old. Yeah, I went to see it when it came out in the cinema as a teenager. Uh, you know, I, I think I was 13. And it was the most... Uh, excited I'd ever got about a movie theatre because the fourth character obviously um, Dion, Ty and Cher, their fourth character in there was the fashion, you know long before Sex and the City did that and it just, I, I, I connected to it, it's probably one of the reasons why I got into fashion, I connected with it in a way that I, I've never felt about film before and I still love it, I still look at that piece of art, it's art and how they set designed that and how the, you know, the costume design is absolutely spot on. And the thing that I love about that is when we talk about preppy, there are two very different forks in the road. There is UK preppy and there, then there's American preppy. And Cher defines American preppy perfectly. You know, mini kilts, high socks, those lovely tank blazers, um, or sorry, tank knitwear, with the diamond motifs. She was doing it all. She, she wore several twin sets in that. She's, a, she's quintessentially Scottish, except in America. Yeah, she's just clad in, yeah. you know, Scottish textile from the opening credits to the very end. I think the only time she's probably not in it is when she's doing her Jane Fonda work. <laughs> yes, yes, and her, and her Spanx. But no, it's, it's something that, um, you know, even as, as a child, watching this at the ABC on Silky Hall Street in Glasgow. I couldn't understand, because I was young, the impact that our nation has had on cinema, on other cultures, on, you know, a whole multitude of literature. You know, everybody knows that Clueless obviously stems from Shakespeare and, and the Austin. Classic. Oh, sorry, yes, yeah, of course, of course. Yes, it's Emma. It's not... That's much ado about nothing, wasn't it, with 10 Things I Hate About You? Uh, Taming of the Shoe, 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, see, see, she, she went to St Andrews, everybody. <laughs> I don't know if I and mentioned... She did, she did English literature I don't know if I, I don't know if I mentioned that several times. <laughs> but she keeps me right, so it's absolutely fine. But, you know, but that's the point, that I didn't know that as a 13-year-old child in the cinema. And these lovely little pieces just slotted into place. You know, and it washes over you, and you leave um, an experience like that, but it leaves its style mark. And here we are, 25 years later, still talking about that outfit. And I think for me, it was my first experience of like aspiration of mm. I want to be like Cher, and not in a not not that I wanted money. I, I just wanted her wardrobe. I wanted you know that sort of computer wardrobe that she had that people <laughs> are are still talking about now because actually nobody's invented that like that that's it's not something you know i imagine when we all watched that in 
1995, we all thought, oh yeah, come the future, we will all have something like that in our house. And actually, it's never come to fruition. And do you know the reason why it hasn't? Because computers can't tell you how to dress. It's how you feel in something. It's how you see yourself in something. And, and actually, that's the beauty of that whole thing, isn't it? And it goes back to being cyclical and capsule wardrobes. And maybe there could be an algorithm written about it. But I think that because the body changes and your skin tone changes, your hair colour changes, you age, you know, things get bigger and smaller and all that jazz. And that's why you need to to physically put things on. That's important for me. You have to try things on. I have so many people that are like, I'll just buy that thing and and then I'll take it back. Why are you wasting your time? Just try it on. It'll take two seconds. You will know instantly that it's yours or it's not. I know before it's even on, particularly the pair of trousers, I kind of know when it's mid-thigh level. Mm. Yeah, but you're, like, you're very tall. <laughs> I've got more time than most people to decide. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking, one, I wanted I wanted her wardrobe. And tartan, it's, it's, it's You can't call it a suit because it's a skirt and a blazer, but maybe you could call it a suit. Yeah, that, tar- that mini tartan kilt and then the, the jacket to match, like... And then yes. a berry, a berry. I know. And just thinking, she's so stylish, and Chic. that's and just so, you know. And and then there was Dion with her amazing hats. Mm. She always had an amazing hat on. But it's just that, you know, probably at that time, it would never have crossed my mind as a British teenager to put tartan on. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have worn it. I wore green, green and blue kilt that I wore at primary school with like my school uniform. Mm. I stopped doing that when I was about nine or ten. You would never have got me voluntarily into tartan before I saw Clueless. Isn't that bonkers? Even though it's made here. Yeah, even I I suppose that that's the thing, isn't it? That when you are so close to it, and I I think we've spoken about this before, when you are so close to it, you take it for granted. And I think the thing with the, the, it is interesting, isn't it? That sort of journey, and we sort of touched on it earlier in the podcast that the Argyle has had sort of, through golf, through football casuals, through Begbie, and now out, out the other a side. battering, an absolute battering. And when you think about that, that is something that happens because an item has style credentials and style chops. And when something goes in and out of fashion, there is an element of someone, you know, packing it away or it being adopted by a movement that you don't want to be associated with. And I'm so thankful that our guys have come out the other end of that. That was how you looked across a football terrace and knew if you were going to be kicking the head in of that person. Yeah, it was, it was about identifying people easily. Much like the whole point in Tartan, right? That's why clans existed, that's why we went into battle in it, that's why it was banned at the rebellion in 1745 so yeah it all comes back to that stuff and there is a sexiness about having the longevity in the argyle that it's gone on the backs of hollywood starlets onto modern day cinematic icons like Cher horowitz to paul newman and james dean and and it was woven here you know it's synonymous with Pringle, you know, like that's, that's, it's bloody cool.
In the next podcast, we're going to be looking at the final four designs in the capsule collection. That's the hoodie, the cashmere t-shirt, the cable knit and the wrap.